Hello, everybody. My name is Tom Pounder. I'm the online campus pastor at New Life Christian Church in Chantilly, Virginia. Welcome to the Third Chair Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, and the second co-host, or my other co-host, is Brennan Loveless. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Brennan. I am the Worship and Creative Arts Pastor here at New Life, along with Tom. And we are so excited. Today is the first episode of the Third Chair Podcast. And we have a very special guest today, our friend Andy Spray. But before that, I want to explain again what this podcast is. What is the Third Chair? Well, figuratively speaking, uh, at our church, we like to teach people how to share their story of how they met Jesus. And so if you picture in your mind just three chairs. The first chair is, what was your life like before you met Jesus? The second chair is, this is what happened when I met Jesus. And the third chair is, and this is what my life has been like since I met Jesus. So we are excited to hear people's stories of how, what God has done in their life, how he's moved in their life and what he continues to do. So today on our first episode, Andy Spray, she is, she goes to church with us. She has been in the worship uh, band with me for the 12 years I've been on staff. Uh, she's going to tell a little bit uh, just about her story, her past, but she's got two great kids, Corlin and Meyer. Her husband, Matt, is an awesome guy, awesome guitar player, uh, and their family's just super special to me. Yeah, so without any further ado, let's get into our conversation with Andy right now. Andy, thank you so much for being a part of our first episode. We are so excited. We knew when we decided to do this podcast, we were like, okay, there's like all these people that we've heard like their stories before, uh, testimonies that they've shared. And we were like, but we also need somebody that's just going to crush this first episode. Yes. And, no pressure. and, and immediately <laughs> we thought, oh man, Andy would kill it because all, all three of us have been friends for a long time. And so the danger is going to be actually keeping this podcast under, you know, five hours. So <laughs> yes, well, I love it. And I love that you asked me to be here. And of course, hanging out with you guys is just super fun. So yes, yeah, so have a good time. You're our guinea pig. I oh, mean, yeah, great. you are definitely our guinea pig. That's very true. I am a guinea pig expert. So, okay, Andy, just so people can get to know you, like if anybody goes to our church, they've seen you on stage leading yeah. worship for a long, long time. But uh, th this year our church is celebrating uh, the 30th anniversary uh, that we've been a church. But how how many years have you been coming to New Life? Almost all of those 30. <laughs> no, really? Maybe not exactly. But I started going to New Life. We moved um, to Virginia 30 years ago. And we started to go to New Life within, I think it was right around the time of their one-year anniversary. Wow. So I haven't always been there. That was late elementary school, middle school time. I went away to college and whatever. But I've been at New Life. I've been part of New Life for a really long time, almost since the very beginning. Wow, that's crazy. I, I did not know that or did not remember that. Yeah. That That is crazy. I know, right? Yeah. So, Andy, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Okay, so you came here to Northern Virginia where, where did you guys live? How many brothers and sisters do you have? Yeah, well, the first 10 years, we moved around a lot because of my dad's job. I'm the youngest of four kids, but since we came to Nova, we did a weird thing, and that is stay in Northern Virginia. Most people yeah. come and go, and we have come and stayed, and so I've been here for a really long time, but roots are in New York. That's where all my family's from, Northeast area. Um, but yeah, I'm the youngest. I've got a sister who still lives in this area. And then I've got two brothers who live elsewhere. And before we hit record on this, I actually heard something I'd never heard about you before. You're Italian? Yep. Yeah. What? Can't yeah. you just tell, by the way, that I 
talk and yell. I and mean, seriously. Emote with my hands. <laughs> I had no idea. Can I tell you something? I know you're making fun of me, but we did an ancestry test with my parents, oh, and that's... I'm I'm really so much more Irish than anything, but. We we claim Italian as our number one. I've got a few friends who have done that. I've never done that, but they they thought like, oh, well, like one friend in particular, he thought, oh yeah, I'm like super Italian, blah blah. It turned out he was like like ninety percent German or something. Yeah, that was kind of we had a little bit of a disillusionment with the results, but we feel like culturally and just voice volume, we qualify as Italian, so that's what we're claiming. That's great. Well, okay. So before we get into your story, because that that we want that to be the meat of this episode, um, so let's do some rapid fire questions. Oh, okay. Are you ready? Probably not, but let's go for it. Okay. All right. Um, well, you're talking about you know how you moved here. What is one of your favorite childhood memories? Uh, okay. My favorite childhood memory is Christmas morning, one year. My dad. My dad's like an amazing woodworker carpenter, and he built an art easel for me and oh. I came downstairs Christmas morning and it was like this amazing wooden art easel that I could paint on because I also love art artsy stuff um and that stood out that was like my favorite that he made that for me and it was a Christmas morning and it was unwrapped you know like when something yeah, one yeah. thing you can see before everybody else comes down with the big bow on it how, how old were you probably like nine wow do you eight, still nine? have it no, but I have many other things he made, but yeah. I don't know what happened to that. My parents are currently moving out of the house that they've been in for 30 years. So we're finding all kinds of treasures. <laughs> oh, my but goodness. I, I don't think the easel is still there, but we have other cool stuff he's made. So is Christmas your favorite yes. holiday? No. Oh, what? I know. I know. I would have totally guessed it was. I know. I Listen, I love Christmas. Christmas is great. <laughs> my, If I'm really being honest, though, my favorite holiday try not to judge me is St. Patrick's Day no <laughs> no is Halloween oh okay I know but I don't like all the deathy stuff <laughs> but I love Halloween because I I love it's a neighborhood holiday and everybody's mm -hmm. out and you're connecting with everybody and I love that I also love making my kids costumes and my kids are really funny and weird and the costumes that they want are always like one year my son was old faithful as in like the geyser and i had to figure out how to make that and that was so i remember that that was so fun he was also a tornado one year which was a really cool one um so i love to make their costumes i love the neighborhood all getting out i really love candy i just feel a certain way on halloween that i don't feel any other time of the year okay okay so also christmas is stressful when you're a mom okay no i no i get it um i love christmas and so i mean are you a christmas guy yeah christmas has got to be my favorite yeah Okay, but back to this Halloween thing. Yeah, okay. Uh, two two follow-up questions. One is, what's your favorite candy? And then two is, are you a pumpkin spice latte person? Like, are you into that? I'm not really a pumpkin spice okay. person. Okay. Um, I like some pumpkin things, but not pumpkin spice latte. Okay. No judgment if that's you, um, Brennan. No, but that's my, no, totally you. my wife, though. Because <laughs> I know. I love you, Natalie. Um, and candy, I like gummy chewy fruity candy like Ooh. starbursts and oh, okay. uh things like that but uh, i like it all i That's like it cool. all and i like to eat the candy while i'm making the costumes guys it's a whole thing it's just my favorite <laughs> favorite time of year do you dress up still do you dress up sometimes okay. sometimes we do so my kids are twins i don't know if we mentioned that so nope. we've always had like theme costumes for them and sometimes the themes involve us as the parent and my husband who is not a halloween guy or a costume guy or uh, like me extroverted or whatever he's a good sport and he will sometimes dress up too but not always i try and make it 
I, I try and be kind and not make him do too much. But last year I was a Sith Lord, so I, I dressed up last year. <laughs> Can't you see it? You could see uh, it. That, that's awesome. I I love that. Okay, so we know that Matt is really big into sports. Yes. Are you into sports, and do you have a favorite sports Oh, team? I love the sports ball. <laughs> All the matches. That's like Pat uh, Ferguson right there. No. I, I'm i a sports liker, not a sports lover, <laughs> but I married in, you know, I married a sports guy, mm-hmm. and so as specifically his family, they're huge baseball fans. So that is kind of, I've been indoctrinated, and now my son, who's 11, and listen, if you've ever met my son, he, when he's interested in something, he's going to be the foremost expert in the tri-state region on the topic. So he's really into baseball right now, and that involves trivia quizzes and slideshows. And I could talk to you about Roberto Clemente and things like that. <laughs> nice. Oh, That's impressive. Oh, I know all kinds of things. I know more than you might think because I talk to him. So, yes, baseball would be my favorite. We The Nationals stink right now, but we still get excited, and I love to go to games. Also – People, here's what I didn't know. Sports is very boring on TV. Okay, if you are listening and you're not a sports person, I grew up my whole life being like, what is this terrible, boring thing I'm being subjected to? But then you go in person and there are nachos and friends and it's a really, I didn't know until I got married. I'm like, oh, okay, this is why people like sports. I still don't want to watch it on TV, but I love to go. That's great. Take me and I'm happy. So are the Washington Nationals, like, your favorite team? Yes. If I had to pick a team, I'd say Washington Nationals. And baseball. And baseball. Okay. That's great. Yeah, that's that's great. Go sports. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's let's get into a little bit more. Thanks for humoring us with the rapid-fire questions. Yeah, sure. Um, and uh, you guys moved down here to Northern Virginia. Yep. How did you first hear about, like, how did you guys get associated with New Life? I mean, did you try a bunch of churches out? And So, yeah, my parents, so I grew up in the church. Um, my parents both have very um, beautiful, consistent faith stories their whole lives. Um, and so church was always a part of our family's ecosystem. And when we moved here, it was just a matter of kind of trying and finding different things. So there was a period of time we were sort of hopping around. Um, you know, I won't get it, but we went to try different local mm-hmm. churches and there was one that had a really good children's program that we went to for a while and my parents didn't really love it, but they stuck with it cause I had a really good, uh, teacher or children's person. Um, and so at some point along the way they found new life. This is back when new life met at stone middle school. I remember it really vividly. And for my life, you know, I'd been to every type of churches. My parents were never very denomination specific. It was kind of like, where's God moving? Where is there a lot of excitement? Where can we get involved? And so we tried lots of different styles of churches. And New Life was the first one. And this was also very new at the time. We're talking early to mid-90s, probably mid-90s. Um, they had a totally different style. They had the live music with mm. kind of a more rock-forward band. They were doing comedy things and showing videos. That was very, very new and different. And so... We, the children, we liked it immediately. That's great. Um, so, like, how did you come? How did you come to know Jesus? When we're talking about the three chair story, yeah. um, and, and and honestly, uh, I'd just be totally like missing out if I didn't say this. But we all know that there are different parts to our faith story. There are many stories that we could talk about. Um, and so, I know you grew up in the church. 
Um, but we want to hear like, like where has Jesus impacted your life the most and, and wherever you want to go with that. Yeah. So like you said, because I grew up in the church, I don't really have a very dramatic before story. Mm -hmm. Like when we're talking about the three chairs, I don't Mm -hmm. have a very like super exciting, um, com, uh, conversion story in that traditional sense, because I always had an understanding of faith and Jesus and what that meant in our family. But I think what's interesting is I don't really ever remember having a concept of it being personal to me until I was like middle school age. Yeah. And so new life was very new. Um, and I was amongst the first group who was kind of involved and they were trying to get a youth ministry off the ground. So this was really impactful for me because it was introducing me to people um, who at the time seemed old, but they were probably 22. <laughs> so <laughs> people who are at least closer to my age weren't my parents who had a personal faith. And that is the first time I ever even remember having the concept of like, oh, this isn't just my parents thing or just sort of our family's culture. This is a personalized thing and it can be personal to me. Um, and so it was in that time, that middle school time where it was just sort of dawning on me that this is something you make a decision and choose for you. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I want to say that, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there, you know, of, that in order to have a conversion experience, it has to be this dramatic story. And I love how you said it's not a faith. Your faith has always been part of your life. You know, you were raised up going to church. And and I, I heard someone say one time that, you know, the best stories are not the dramatic conversion stories. It's the stories where God's protected you all throughout. And because your family has invested that time and energy into giving you a starting point for your faith by bringing you to church you always had that as part of your daily yes. life i'm very thankful for that i mean i was spared a lot of really reckless decisions um and things because i saw that from such an early age and i always did that is something i had a sense of of like well i don't want to go that direction i don't right. think i understood what it meant to have a relationship with christ yet but it did spare me yeah a lot of unnecessary hurt for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I like what you said, Tom, because I think uh, not only g- can God's hand of protection be over us, but um, having parents like your parents, like yeah. bringing you guys up in the church and being faithful to that is a huge testament to them, you know, and what the Bible talks about, you know, for any of us who are parents, like raising your kids up in the ways of the Lord, you know, so that they will not depart from them when they get older. And I, and we all know there are people who have walked away from their faith, but like, I know that that, that was your parents' intentions of having you guys going to church. And then obviously you end up kind of seeing, oh, this is a personal thing for me to actually live this way. It is a choice for me to walk this way. My, my story is similar to that in that um, I, I grew up at church, um, went to a private school my whole life and I was like 13 and it was the first, uh, junior high. It was like a weekend conference, you know, quote unquote. And I just remember this guy, he, he was giving the message and I, all of a sudden something clicked where I was like, Oh my goodness. Like mm. I have messed up and Jesus lived the perfect life. He died for me. And now this is my choice to follow him and my parents always said that like i had friends in school and people would say like oh hey who in here has been baptized and like everybody in the class raised their hands except me and i remember saying that to my parents and that totally happened to me before too you grew up in a catholic area where everyone got baptized when they were really young yeah yes 
same thing. Yeah, that and, you know, like, or they we were, like, in fourth grade, and so kids were starting to make those decisions in their non-denominational churches. And you're like, my, oh, gosh, I'm the bad kid. I and it's not hand. that my parents, like, told me I had to wait until I get older. They just said, it's your decision. And at some point, you know, I'm 13, and it clicked, and I was like, oh, my goodness, like, this is it. Like, I have to follow Jesus, you know, um, and uh, and yeah, but it's a testament, I think, to our parents. And like you said, you feel like you're kind of also spared from some of these like reckless decisions and ways of living that, you know, give us all baggage and burdens that we carry, you know, throughout life um, and being faithful you know, in our walk, that's a great testimony. Mm -hmm. Like, because Tom, you're saying some people do have like crazy stories, you know, like I, I don't know, you could fill in the blank of how they lived. And then I met Jesus through this guy on the side of the road. And it's like, Whoa, Mm -hmm. that story's crazy. And then you feel like, well, my story's not that important. And it's like, well, but you've been faithful for how many Mm -hmm. years in following Jesus. And I know that we all have ups and downs, um, do you want to share a little bit about that, Andy, and kind of because even being faithful in our walk with Christ, um, it doesn't mean that there's not awful and times that we're hurting and going, God, why are you doing this? Sure. Well, and just to quickly add on to something you you said. It's like, listen, middle school is going to be traumatic for all of us. It's a good time <laughs> to find Jesus. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's a very timely Amen. space in life to have a new sense of salvation yeah. and a relationship with God. I'm just saying, go um, youth group. I saw something funny online where somebody was like, his kid asked if he was cool in high school. And he said, well, I was youth group cool. <laughs> and she said, is that the same thing? And he was like, well, maybe not. I was youth group cool. I'm just saying, no regrets. It saved me a lot of added heartache. And so I was thankful for that. But yeah, um, you're talking about as your faith develops, it's not going to look the same. I hope it doesn't look the same as when I'm 13 to as I've gone on into my 20s and 30s. And, you know, I was thinking about, like, what impact does faith actually have on me? Like, of course, it impacts how I spend my time and my money and who I married and certain decisions we're making with our kids and stuff. But I was thinking, like, what looks different for me than maybe somebody else? And the thing that I kept thinking of was when we have the gospel, when you have the resurrection, it means that the worst thing never has to be the last thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as life has gone on, it wasn't so true, you know, in my teen and 20 years, but as life's gone on, I've had a lot of worse things like mm-hmm. many of us have, right? I've had infertility and pregnancy loss. I have somebody I love who's just in the worst grips of mental health and addiction issues. Um, loss of people, loss of dreams, you know, uh, difficult diagnoses with my children, things that are really hard to deal with. And when you have the gospel, you can have hope for a future of full redemption. Hmm. We are always working towards healing and redemption here on this earth. But with with the resurrection being true, there is a future ahead of me that is free of pain, free of these hurts, that people I love can be restored. And knowing that I can have a sense of hope and peace in the midst of really devastating things. And we live in a really difficult, I mean, just hard. It's We're such a, so full of grief in this world and um, everybody's going through different stuff. And I just think 
that level of hope because of what I know in Christ and because I believe in the resurrection, I can live differently. And that was what struck me as like, what is really impacting my faith Mm. or how my faith really impacts my life differently, I should say. So, um, Annie, could you talk a little bit more about, um, and obviously whatever you want to share, but um, some like story or two or whatever of some of those difficult moments, but how you felt like God brought you through that or where you saw him maybe in another person that was walking alongside you or I don't I don't know I don't want to speak for you no no I mean I probably could have a hundred stories and I don't really have one off the top of my head Um, but there are so many ways that I can look back and see God's hand through difficult things and two things when you were talking came to mind is one that when I have um, a hope in Christ like I was saying my pain doesn't have to be wasted. And that's one thing I remember saying to to God, to myself in the mirror when I was in uh, the room at the doctor finding out that I could not have children naturally. And I was saying, okay, God, just don't waste my pain. Like Mm. pain for pain's sake is too much to bear. But if you can give me a purpose to my pain, um, then fine, let's, let's do it. And there have been so many ways that he has redeemed that pain through a purpose to whether that's encourage other young women who are going through the same thing. I've spoken lots of times to women's groups on this topic or just reached out and comforted someone to say, I know I've been there. I know how hard that is. Um, So that's one thing that comes to mind. And the other is just looking back and seeing how there are seasons where when it seems like God is being the most mean, he's actually been being the most loving. Mm, Can you yeah, this a takes little a little bit of time and reflection. This is not something you're typically going to see while it's happening. Um, but, f- for example, so I, I, you know, had some difficulties having kids. I wasn't able to have any more kids. Um, I was in the middle of going through multiple miscarriages when my twins were about two, three years old. And so it was obviously a very grievous, difficult season of life for us. And in the middle of that season, my son was also having some developmental concerns. And it was just too much. I'm like, I've already lost my uh, future children, and now I'm losing my living children. That's how it felt at the time. And we were going to doctors, and we were getting different uh, opinions, and we were getting moved around. And one of the things that they wanted us to do was to go to this preschool program and it just felt like god it's too much i I can't i can't do all these things and lose what i had the little thing i thought i had and i look back on that season and see how god was orchestrating in such a loving and purposeful way for our family um through the decision of having all these diagnoses having to go to this school This is, by the way, the preschool program I mentioned that I work in. This is uh, the one that I work in now. But um, being there, placing us in the care of certain people, being now, this is the neighborhood we moved to. These are the people we were involved with. And it was because God was lovingly weaving these things together um, that in a time where it felt like he was being really mean and really unfair, he was Mm. actually bringing together all of these different strands that has created a tapestry in my life 10 years later. Mm -hmm. I I like what you're saying here too, because, you know, Brett, our senior pastor and lead pastor at New Life, he often talks about the upper story and the lower story. 
and often we are living in the lower story and we can't see what's happening above and it just draw the picture of like hey you know god is at work for us we we may not see it in in the moment it doesn't feel it i mean believe me it doesn't feel it but god is at work and we have to remain faithful to him we have to stay committed to him and seeking him every single day because it can be a confusing time i mean i went through a divorce and during that time it was a very confusing time of like what is god doing here and again with the challenges that you experience what is god doing but god is at work and i don't think we should ever lose sight of that andy you mentioned um and i've i've heard your story personally but for the sake of anybody listening right now um you know who knows if there's somebody dealing with some of the same stuff you've been through um could you just give us uh what what would you say to some people who are going through some of those questions you know in that pain um maybe even specifically with uh, miscarriages or infertility or or what have you yeah um there's a way and this is true for all kinds of pain i bet you felt this way when you got divorced there's a way that pain makes you feel really isolated um and really alone and i don't think that's an accident. I think the enemy would love to capitalize on our hurt and grief and make us feel alone. And so what I would say to somebody who's who's feeling that way is, first of all, you're not alone. That um, your grief is being cared for and, and seen, first of all, by the Creator. That you are loved and you are known. There's a good shepherd who knows you and sees you in whatever dark and um, just distressing place that you are in. So that's the first thing I would say. And the second thing I would say, there's also people who want to see you in the pain that you're in. I felt a lot of, um, I think a, a lot of Christian women feel this way of like, I can't I can't ask for help. I, I got to just keep going on my own. I got to stiff up her lip and be a good girl. And nobody has to see how much I'm struggling. And so I would say there are people around you who want to be there for you. Um, who want to support you and love you and who might not even know that you're suffering because you feel like you can't let that be known. Um, And then the third thing I would say is on top of all of that is community is the thing that anchors you Mm. when you're in that place. And um, there are seasons that were so dark for me. And if I didn't have the built-in community, even though for a while I was not probably letting as many people in as I I would now. But it was the community that kept me anchored. I didn't float away and go off alone because I had it built in already. People who cared about me, who checked up on me, who said, I don't know what's going on, but you don't seem like yourself or things seem hard, you know, things like that. So I would encourage somebody to one, God sees you and loves you. You are known and loved. That is throughout the whole of the Bible. Two, there are people who want to love and support you right here and now in your life. And three, get anchored to that community for the future, for when other difficult things are going to happen. That's the thing that's going to keep you. Yeah, it's so easy for any of us. You know, Tom, you were talking about like your divorce. Andy, you're sharing your story. For me, um, I lost uh, my little brother uh, to um, a drunk driver years later I find out I have cancer and it's like you can feel all alone like I'm the only one going through this and also I don't want to talk to anybody about this Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I just want to be maybe maybe there's a little bit of that you know self-pity that can creep in there of like you know nobody gets this nobody understands I'm all alone and I want to be all alone um and then there's the 
the other side of it where there are people that want to love you and God also can show his love to us through those people. Right. So they, for me, it was hard, uh, especially, you know, after being a pastor for years and it's like, Oh, I'm used to helping other people and being there for them. And then all of a sudden being very uncomfortable and also aware of how I need to grow, uh, in my faith because all of a sudden I'm super uncomfortable with somebody actually serving me. And it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, Whoa. Uh, there's a bunch of pride there, you know, of like, oh, I don't like people serving me, but they're there. God is showing me his love through how they are serving me. And, um, and just, I would echo as well, just having that community around you. It's almost like, I guess maybe for me as an extrovert, I don't, I didn't really think about that until I needed it, but it was like, you know, building that community and having those people that you are close with, that you can share, you know, what you're going through with them. And then all of a sudden when you like, for me, that seems more natural as an extroverted person, I guess is what I'm saying. But then you don't realize, I don't necessarily consciously realize, Oh, I'm building this community and these relationships with people and I'm there for them. They're there for me. Um, and then all of a sudden you go through something and you're like, oh my gosh, I like, I need this. I'd yeah. be mm-hmm. so lost without this, you know? Um, I'm in the same boat. I'm super extroverted. So that's a, a very normal thing for me. But I think it's true that I'm married to a very introverted person. And I think of like the community that you get through service, like, mm. and that's, that's very much my husband where it's like serving in the band and there's a community that comes with service too. And so if you're listening and you're rolling your eyes because you're not super extroverted like Brennan and I who just want to do friend (laughs) group community (laughs) events at all times, right? Um, There's still, their community can look kind of different ways, but I'm with you. It's like you don't even realize how critical it is until that moment comes. So you've got to build those things before. Yeah. Andy, was there a, a Bible passage or was there a, a story in the Bible at all or a verse that you kind of clung to or you do cling to kind of in your life right now? Um, well, gosh, there have been so many. Um, I was just thinking of when you started talking, one jumped to mind. Um, and I don't know that this was necessarily what I would have said seven, eight, ten years ago, whatever, but um, a friend of mine and I, we were just praying before the first night of school because our kids were starting school this week. And we were just praying, I think it's Colossians 1.17, that he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And that's one that comes up frequently as I'm sending my kids off into the world as they get older. My parents are getting older and moving and downsizing and there's all of these changes happening. Um, a lot of transitions going on in my life right now. So I just think he is before all things and in him all things hold together and that's just something i've been hanging on to lately that's great that's a great perspective absolutely i um i love that uh especially like i mean at the time we're recording this podcast episode like all of our kids are back in school it's the end of the summer um but i just love that example of praying for our kids before they start a new school year you know um and i it's hard to send them off man like i want to be there and when i pray with them at night i always say thank you god for going where i cannot go because i'd be the mom we'd be like i'm gonna sit next to you (laughs) right but i god is going where we as parents cannot go and he's gonna go before us and before them and so yeah so Andy, with all these different things going on and, and you said there's just a lot of transitions and stuff going on right now 
Um, but also going back, you know, 10 years, you know, cause I know, um, Natalie and I walked through a little bit of that with you guys when oh, you yeah. found out, actually, I remember the day you, that yeah. you found out, um, you were the first person I saw after my most uh, memorable doctor's appointment where they said, this is never going to happen for you. And mm. <laughs> I was, uh, coming to paint the, op- we were supposed to be painting the creative offices. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I showed up to paint the creative offices and here back to my point about community. You were like, what? happened to you today Mm. and so yeah you were you definitely were there from the very beginning in that journey yeah i'll never forget that moment but also like uh i don't know if if this sounds weird to say but like i'd want nothing more than for natalie and i to be able to walk through that with you guys you know what i mean like that wasn't a burden for us it was like oh my gosh like i love matt and andy i want to be there for them you know and they need this you know they they need to feel god's love through other people right now you know um but with all this stuff that is has happened could you give us um maybe a specific example of like where you kind of met jesus in one of those moments like talking about the second chair i know you've been a believer and you've been walking with him forever um but that second chair story like what were like a moment or two I, i don't know like where you're like this is where I met Jesus right here in this place. And maybe you already said it, but just maybe reiterate that for people, um, you know, because I hope as you're listening to this uh, listener um, that you're starting to think of your own story, even if you've been following Jesus for a long time, this isn't necessarily necessarily your conversion story, the three chairs, but different moments in our lives where we need Jesus, we meet Jesus, and then, and here's how this here's how this has impacted my life. Right. So yeah. that second share. Uh, and again, if you have to reiterate, that's fine. Um, where, where did you kind of meet Jesus in one of those moments that you can remember? Well, I think, like you said, I already had faith. I already knew Christ. So it wasn't like a brand new introduction. Right. But I think there are all of these ways that God reminds me of his presence and many of those were things like you said i showed up i had this most devastating news i didn't know i was allowed to go home and cry back then um Mm. i thought i had to still go and do all the things i was supposed to do in my day but god showed up because you and natalie were there Mm. okay so that's one that's one way Mm. i can think of or um when i had something was very devastating happening with my son at the time there was somebody who who just bumped into me at a Chick-fil-A and said, how can I, how can I serve you? This, that makes it sound like it was someone who worked at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> somebody, I, how can I serve you? Uh, my pleasure. No, it was somebody who I knew through church who, who said, I can tell something's wrong. How can I serve you? And she made all the cupcakes for, uh, we were having a birthday party the next day and I was so overwhelmed and I was so beside myself. And she showed up and made all the cupcakes for my kid's birthday party. So, I mean, those are just little tiny examples. I was thinking of like God, I already knew God loved me, but he showed himself often, maybe most often through other people. And I can look back now in these seasons, see this, this is where God was showing up, Mm -hmm. you know, in a more individual way. I can also think of times where um, you're having these super dark moments and you're crying and you're crying out. And you can feel God's presence. That is a kind of an 
nebulous way to describe it, but like there are also moments where I felt like God came to me just individually and personally. But when you're talking about that, I think a lot of my moments would be God coming specifically to love me through people, which kind of like what you mentioned is hard for me at first. I'm used to doing the loving and the serving and the helping. Um, so that is a way God really showed up for me during that time in practical ways and through people loving and supporting us. So going to the, the, the third share part. Mm -hmm. Um, so how has that impacted your life since in, in some of those moments? Yeah. Well, like I was saying earlier, I think it gives me hope now when new difficult Mm -hmm. things are happening and there are always new difficult things happening, not to be, you know, too dark, but world life is hard. Right. Mm -hmm. And so when new difficult things happen, I, I'm anchored in hope in a way that um, I maybe wasn't always in the past. I have a strong sense of peace, I believe, or I can get to a strong sense of peace because of how God has for me in the past. He's been faithful before. He's going to be faithful again. Might not turn out on earth the way I wanted to, but he, his faithfulness remains. So that's one thing that I think of in this kind of third chair analogy of um, – how I'm able to do that. And the other thing is, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but to, to use it, I I Mm -hmm. want, I don't want pain to be wasted. I don't want to just, Oh, well, I had that thing happen and now I moved on, whatever. Um, but to constantly be looking for other people to encourage, you know, the infertility thing is, is I'm a woman of my age and my peer group. This is a pretty common issue that comes up. So that's one I've been able to use a lot. Yeah. But honestly, if, I have time to share this story real quick. Um, there is this literally just happened last month in my neighborhood. So I walk every morning um, and there was a period of time where because I dropped my kids off at school and I go on a walk and um, every day when I got to this guy's driveway, he was pulling out of the driveway. This is an older man who lives in my neighborhood and we'd always be like, oh, don't run me over, la, la, la. <laughs> Okay, so... Um, <laughs> Please tell me you talk in that voice. I do. That's exactly what I sound like. So we've like literally never had a conversation other than, LOL, don't run me over. And we pass. I don't know where he goes every day. and but we Do you pass. say LOL out loud? I say LOL. I to say this verbally older mm-hmm, to gentleman? this older gentleman. Um, I hope he's listening. Um, we never shared names, never anything. So this has been going on for close to two years. So then my schedule got a little tricky because my kids had to start going to school earlier because they're on the news. I know that's very important to all of you. Um, So I started missing him. But then he would drive. He would pass me in his car and he would honk at me. And I'd always say, oh, there's my friend. You know, I'd wave to him. This has been going on for two years. This past month, this and I walk at weird different times in the summer. So I was walking in the summer. Uh, He's always honking and waving at me. He pulled over and said, I really want to talk to you. And I was like, oh, hey, it's my buddy, you know. And I walked over to the car and he told me his name. And he said, I just don't know what to do. My brother just died. Oh. And he said, my brother uh, has been suffering from mental health problems for many years. And I've been trying to take care of him. And it's been really hard. And he just died. And I don't know what to do. Oh, my. This guy who just passes me and honks pulled over. And I'm I'm as much of a stranger as anybody to him. And so, you know, that's actually a topic I have a lot of understanding on. And I just mm. said, I'm so sorry. I love somebody who struggles in that way. I know how confusing and complicated it is. I'm, I'm just so sorry for your loss. You've been a faithful brother. And um, he drove away. And um, 
anyways, there's some more to the story. I was able to, you know, I wrote him a card and put it in his mailbox because I know where he lives. He does not know where I live <laughs> because he's not, yeah, you yeah, know, I yeah. passed him coming out of his house and uh, I made my kids come with me and we dropped it off. And then I was away at the beach, and one day on my walk, there was a sign on his mailbox because he didn't know any other way to get a hold of me that said, Andy, you mean so much to me. Thank no you. No for- way. Yes. This oh literally just happened like two- when we were at the beach two weeks ago or whatever that was. And I have seen him since, and he just said, nobody's ever done that for me before. All I did was give him a card and you know put a little gift card in there and say I was thinking about him, and I said, praying for you. He's on my mind all the time. But he said, literally, no one's ever done something like that for me. That is a crazy story. That it's awesome. But look, there's yeah. pain that God yeah. can use. <clears throat> right. Like yeah. I want God to use pain. No, one hundred percent. And what I love about that is that there was an opportunity, and you seized on that opportunity. Like not in a weird way, but like you didn't falter back and be like, "Oh, I'm so sorry," and do nothing with it. You actually did something with it, and I, I think there's lots of opportunities in our lives, all of our lives. Speaking to all of us, is that you know, do we seize on the opportunities? And what what a great way that was a two year thing that yeah, happened, really? and then God used it, and then bam, you were able to step in and care for a person, pray for that person, support that person in a way that he needed. So one of the just listening to that is just great. I love that story. Um, but one of the things that I've been thinking through that I feel like God has kind of been growing me in lately is there's all all the time where I think about someone and more often than not, um, sorry, all of a sudden the headphones are doing something funny. Um, more often than not, I'll be driving down the road. I think of like a friend or something that I haven't like reached out to in a while. And I kind of used to be like, oh, well, that's weird. I need to reach out to them. And I'm not kidding. What's what is just probably not a coincidence is like a lot of times, a couple of days later, they'll reach out to me. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I should have been listening to the Holy Spirit there. Yeah. Yeah. I should have done something with that. And so now uh, people have popped into my mind and I will just send them a simple text like, yeah. That's a great hey, idea. Man. Just in a quick, mm-hmm. immediate response. Yeah. Hey, man, how's it going? I was just thinking about you uh, today and just want to see what's up. And um, and it's crazy. I'll share some of those stories some other time because um, this is more about you. But like that is so great. That mm-hmm. <laughs> just, just to be able to do that um, and spend that time with him, you know, uh, and, and then write that note. And like, I mean, you're sharing the love of Christ. Yeah. And who knows? I, who I don't knows think it's going to come from it. I don't want to overstate the importance mm-hmm. of That's me right. writing a note. But um, I do think God was doing something there. Right. And there's so many. I'm like you. Somebody will pop in my head. And to be honest with you, sometimes I lack the executive functioning to do something about, right? Like right. you'll get, you're like, oh, I should send that person something or I should reach out to that person. And then you just don't ever do it. Yeah. So a quick text or just a quick little note, I do think those things have a bigger impact and hopefully they even have a longer term spiritual upper story kind mm-hmm. of impact um, than we can see. And Tom, something you said too is like, there are opportunities, like we don't have to manufacture opportunities. Yes. There are opportunities all around us. And right. um, we were talking about that um, in the Engage class, it, you know, that Patrick Dennis did earlier this year about evangelism. And for me, I'm like, I live in a neighborhood. So I got built in neighbors. I got people I pass when I walk. Mm-hmm. My kids go to the local school. And how can 
I just be available. I don't have to make anything. Mm-hmm. Like, how can I just be available to the people and the experiences happening around me? So really, back to that third chair, I mean, I would say that that's sort of how my perspective is as I'm living, just living my life. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm g- going to school. I'm doing a job. I'm whatever. I'm commuting. I'm walking past somebody's driveway. And when your eyes are open to opportunities, they are literally available all over the place. There's just no end to them. Yeah, uh, 100%. I think it's when we manufacture the opportunities that it becomes awkward and weird. Yeah. But when it when you respond to the opportunity God presents, that that's when it becomes very natural and it doesn't become weird. I I'm just so encouraged listening to this story. It's like, wow, yeah. this is awesome. But you know, people are also the other thing, people are hurting all around mm-hmm. us. Yeah. And I thought if this man pulled over to tell a literal stranger, like he's hurting and does not have anywhere for this hurt to go. And this is why I go back to say there is a father who knows you and sees you and loves you. And there are people who want to support you. And may we be the people who do the supporting when we see the opportunities. Andy, thank you so much for sharing all those stories with us. Uh, Thank you for encouraging us uh, with what you just said. I feel like that's uh, we could talk forever. I feel like that's a perfect way to to end. Uh, Listen, if if you're listening to these episodes, um, we want you to be encouraged. It's, it's not, Andy would say this, it's not just all about her and listen to how awesome I am or, or let me impress you with how much pain I've been through in my life. But God has clearly worked through um, Andy's story. He is still writing that story, as you just heard Andy talking about how God can use all of these things to grow us as we seek after him and we try to hear and follow his voice as the good shepherd. So remember, you have a story. Uh, You probably have a lot of stories, just like Andy was sharing. And I know we didn't even scratch the surface on some of that. Um, But Andy, thank you so much for encouraging everybody. um, And we just so appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. This was so fun. I love hanging out. Absolutely. Well, Tom, yeah. Wrap us up. Yeah, just as kind of a wrap up, if you've got questions, if you've got thoughts on this, we want to hear from you. Uh, so we've got an email address, thirdchair at newlife.church. Feel free to ask questions. Feel free to share your stories or thoughts about this. We want to hear feedback from you as we continue to do this. Brennan and I, this is our first episode, and I'm going to tell you, this one was awesome. We kicked it off right with Andy. (laughs) So this is awesome, but we want to hear from you. So thanks so much for being with us uh, today. That's right. And remember, that is thirdshare at newlife.church. You have to spell out the word third, uh, just so we're clear on that. But we want to hear your stories. We want to hear your feedback. Uh, Tom and I are not afraid of uh, comments. Uh, and like he said, it's going to be all over social media, wherever you're seeing this, please let us know. You can comment and, uh, remember to subscribe, uh, and to follow the podcast so that you, uh, can be aware of any new episodes that are coming up. Thanks so much for listening to the third chair.